We're going to catch up uh, with Justin Nelson now to talk about the Cells NBL. Good morning to you, Justin. How are you doing? Hey, morning, gentlemen. I'm well, thank you. Now, the Cells NBL has done something unique to professional sport in New Zealand, and that is putting in a trade window, uh, which is going to sit after week seven of the competition, so pretty much at the halfway stage, and and it'll be open for 66 hours. Uh, can you ex- explain uh, to us how this is going to work? Yeah, really unique, and as you said, first time for pro-level sport here in, in New Zealand, essentially after round seven, soon as the, the last game is played and, and prior to the first game being played in, in round eight, it's a 16-round season, so just before the halfway mark, uh, trade window will open up, teams will be able to uh, have conversations uh, with players and with other teams and uh, a player must agree to a trade so we're not just lifting players up and, and sending them from one end of the country to the other a player needs to agree their contract as a minimum continues or the new team may negotiate a bit of a bump because in a really unique twist and i haven't seen this before uh if you trade a player in so not if you trade a player out if you bring a player or players into your team via a trade, so from one team to another, you'll get a, a 6.5% bump in the uh, in the salary cap. So teams are literally being incentivized and rewarded yeah. with a bump in the salary cap to go out there and trade for a player. Very, very unique, very clever. Yeah, I was just reading about that. That's very clever, and you could see a lot of teams looking at that option, but knowing as a player that you're not going to have stability in your career, maybe potentially, would that create a bit of anxiety? Would How are the players feeling about this? It's obviously great for the game. Well, I absolutely love it, and, and trades and, and everything like that is all part and parcel of the biggest leagues in the world. But from a player's point of view, are they for it? Are they on board? I think the big thing for a player in this situation, because they need to agree. If they don't agree, they don't go anywhere. Yeah. I think the I think the cool thing here is it actually gives players choice, and I like that in sport, especially mm. you know just on that midway part of a season. Sometimes things may not work out. You may not be playing the position or getting the minutes that you want. There may be another team need somebody with your skill sets, mm. an opportunity that opens up. What this does is it actually puts the players in the driver's seat. They have to agree. They have a choice. They may get a better contract out of it. They may get a better future out of it. They have an opportunity to showcase their skills elsewhere. So I think the players are in the driver's seat. Have we, has the NBL been watching James Harden's kind of situation <laughs> over at the 76ers and how much of a chaotic show that has been and potentially that it could go down that area? I think it's chaotic with a capital C, isn't it? Um, <laughs> oh, look, I, you know, uh, who knows how things will play out and whether New Zealand I think will it's have its, Thank its, its own James Harden, who knows? But, uh, mm. yeah, there, there, you know, there's certainly some warning signs there as well once we get into this uh, over a few years, if you've got players moving from, from team to team every year, or the same player. But, you know, right now, new innovation... Mm. Um, the Cells NBL has definitely led the way in this country with, with innovations. Rapid League is coming in in 2024 awesome. as well, so we're going to see a lot more basketball. But this trade window is pretty damn exciting. Just on that, you know, so if I'm a, if, if I'm a team CEO and I can increase my salary cap by 6.5% by trading a player in or bringing a player in, 
Can I stack that? Like, can I bring in multiple yeah. players and stack it to, like, maybe go up to 13% or 19.5%? Well, I don't want to do the maths past there. Yeah. You, you sound like a GM looking for a loophole now. Um, <laughs> That's no, exactly what I am. It's a one-time bump. Uh, you can't be out there just stacking and, 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 uh, and loading up. Uh, and not only that, you have to have a roster spot available. Um, you know, you're only allowed to roster so many players. So... Mm. Teams may have to trade a player out in order to open up a roster spot. Maybe a team will start the season with a roster spot open with an eye to this trade window. But it's a one-time bump of 6.5%. I think the other unique thing here is how you spend that bump is up to you. So you might trade a player in. You might trade a player out. You've still got money with this extra 6.5% left in your salary cap. You may recruit a player later in the season for the run to the playoffs. And, of course, the Canterbury Rams, who won their first title this year since 1992, had that late-season pick-up of Corey Webster. That certainly did help them, mate. Um, does, this, does this, though, uh, give more, I guess, to the to the owners with deep pockets, like, say, a Nick Mills versus um, whoever runs the Manawatu two Jets because you can spend more money? You can spend more money if you've got it, but if you don't have it, then you can't do it. I think one of the things that we've seen in recent years with the Sells NBL is competitive balance. You know, while some teams may have had the deeper pockets in the past, that's certainly not the case now. It is very much a level playing field. There's a nice cap in there that every team has the capacity to meet. And most teams are getting up there and meeting that. Again, which is great for the players because we're getting more money coming in uh, into the player pool. So those days are over. Six and a half percent. Uh, is certainly not as drastic as what you would think. And I think most teams will be in a position to aim for that. It'll be absolutely no-brainer if every single team doesn't allow this trade to get a 6.5% bump in the salary. I'm sure it's going to go absolutely great guns, mate, and looking forward to seeing what eventuates. Are you able to educate listeners plus myself on this rapid leak coming in? And what is it? What does it entail? Yeah, Rapid League actually started this year in the Pro Women's League in Toihi. So it has been in place and now it's coming into the Men's League uh, next year. It's literally an an additional 110 games being played across the the national level, which is fantastic uh, for for players, but also for viewers because that's 110 more games on, on Sky Sport, which covers the league, of course. Essentially what it is, Rapid League, new innovation, it's a world first, started this year in Tohi, as I said. It's a four-by-four-minute quarter game, so it's really quick. And when you watch it, you can see it in the player's mind that it's quick because they get up and on the floor at pace. It's a four-by-four-minute game that's played before the main game. It's played before the long game, the NBL Tohi game. Uh, so fans can get in there earlier. But the only players who can play Rapid League are the seven players who have been named to come off the bench that night in the next game, in the full game. So coach has to go in, select their starting five for the Sells NBL game. And then prior to that, you've got this quick fire, really rapid, exciting game where the only players who can step on the court are the seven players who aren't announced in the starting five in the mm. following game. So very unique, very different, got a real twist to it. Love the it. fans love it because they get to see all the players play, everyone, mm. including those local youngsters coming through. And we've seen the benefits of it in Tohi, rapid development of these players, exciting stuff. Yeah, and I suppose that the main um, benefit here is that all these young players who would other just otherwise just ride the pine and watch a lot of basketball actually get to play some minutes. 
Well, we see it the world over in basketball. Basketball is one of those unique sports where you've got more players sitting on the sidelines than you have actually out in the middle participating. So, you know, it's great for player retention. It's fantastic for player development, really quick player development at the elite level as well. In Toihi, we saw players play more minutes this year than they probably would have played in three to five years if they didn't get that opportunity. So massive opportunity for those players to play, no doubt. Justin, what about, just going back to your trade window, um, other pro sports, can you see them following this lead? I mean, the, the obvious one for me in our backyard is the Australian NBL. Well, the Australian NBL, uh, ironically, during the break that they just had, uh, they picked up that New Zealand was about to do this and they started throwing out some hypotheticals. You know, should the Aussie NBL do it? And if so, who would you trade? So they've certainly picked up straight away that the Kiwis have been the first to, to innovate yet again. Uh, here I am as an Aussie just getting slapped around the face with the, with the Kiwis <laughs> innovating first and foremost. So, look, I, I think that now that they're going to see it unfold in New Zealand, uh, and again, it's a unique system where the players have to agree. Uh, I think there's every chance we're going to see a lot more of it. But, you know, even here in New Zealand, you know, gee, Super Rugby, imagine if you brought in mid-season trades into Super Rugby. I'd be all for it. It's a great innovation. Uh, again, as I said, basketball leading the way. And I think it's a bit of a, bit of a sign there to other sports that this is the stuff that fans want. Definitely. I think... Um... When I first started playing rugby, there was a draft for Super Rugby. They could, can they could control twenty three players and then the rest go on the draft. And that's how I made it down into uh, the South Island region. Um, and people have been crying out for it. I think um, NBL doing a fantastic job leading the way here, and I'm sure other sports and entities will follow suit. It'll be remiss of me not to talk about my Bay Hawks and uh, what's going on there in the Hawks Bay. Everard Bartlett is obviously. St- been stepped down as head coach. Has there been any yeah. news, any adjustments there? And obviously they've got a new chairman as uh, Keith Price stands down as uh, as the board chairman. It's a bit of a bit of a debacle yeah. there in the Bay Hawks. Well, definitely some changes, but with change comes opportunity in sport. And and Jared Kenny, who's in the twilight of his career, and what a career he's had, by the way, yeah, um, has also stepped into to the GM position and. I've been dealing with, with JK on, on a few different things over the last uh, 12 months. And look, he, he's going to be, he already is, but I think he's going to be an exceptional general manager, very level-headed. Um, hard decisions need to be made in sport at times. And I'm certainly not saying that the decision on Everard was, was right or wrong, but yeah. uh, they know the direction they're going in. They've got a plan. They've got a vision. We'll see it unfold. What I do know is that Hawks are the only team, the only one of the 11 teams that haven't got a coach named for next season yet. So they wow. definitely need to get on the bike uh, because free agency's opened. You know, you need to start recruiting. So they need to get on the bike with that. Uh, and from all reports, two of their local stars from the last couple of years, Daron uh, Rakawa and also Ethan Rusbatch, both on the move from what we're hearing. So it's definitely going to be a different looking oh. Hawks team. Thanks, yeah. Justin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it, mate. Sounds like uh, yeah, it's, it's all changed in the Hawks Bay. Hey, uh, Justin, uh, last night the uh, the Breakers got a win, a, a real win this season. I think they're fourth from 11 um, over the 36ers. Did it in style, though, I thought. Uh, it was a, like that 20-point lead at the first quarter and then uh, 12 points at the half. Uh, pretty dominant over the 36ers. What would you make of it? 
Yeah, and I don't, I don't know where the 36ers are at, but you can only beat what's put in front of you, and they did that. You know, still a couple of key players out, Will McDowell-White and, and, and Cheatham as well, uh, who shouldn't be too far away, Zylan Cheatham. But, yeah, 37-point opening quarter, best opening quarter of the season in the Aussie NBL, and you get 20 up after 10. It's pretty hard to chase that down. They got home by 13. Uh, they now move on, fly out today and head to Melbourne to take on South East Melbourne tomorrow night. The big story out of this game is going to be Coach uh, Modimel, who was uh, double T, teched up at half-time. So literally walking off the court at half-time, he was fed up with the officials, uh, started having a confrontation with them, uh, double technical, that's it, out for the game, did not come back out after half-time. Now, this comes days, literally days, after the CEO of the Aussie NBL came out publicly and said, that's it, I've had enough. The abusive officials in this league can't carry on, zero tolerance. So do not be surprised if, uh, if the Breakers coach is going to be made an example of here. I will not be surprised at all, given what the CEO of the ANBL came out and said this week. It's going to be fascinating to watch how this unfolds. Well, yeah, it's an interesting one. I don't know what Modi said, uh, because it probably wasn't safe for TV, but um, he did point at the board, and the Breakers had uh, been uh, fouled seven, or had given up 17 fouls versus six, so it did look like it was very lopsided officiating. I mean, has he got a, has he got a point? Well, I think this is one of the misnomers in, in basketball, and I'm certainly not saying in last night's case that he didn't have a point, but there are teams that go out who foul more than other teams. Just because there's more fouls on the scoreboard than there is against your opposition doesn't always mean that it's a discrepancy and you're being hard done by. Sometimes your team fouls more than the opposition team fouls. Sometimes teams are better defenders than other teams. Now, I'm not saying that's the case last night. Sort of like the Crusaders. He, yeah. <laughs> Shut <laughs> up. Don't um, start. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly think, uh, based on what I saw last night, he, he probably had a question or two to ask. I'm not saying that was the case last night. However, it's about the way you go about asking the question. And again, the NBL has come out this, uh, this week and been really, really forceful on saying enough's enough, no more, zero tolerance. So how they treat this situation, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be very interesting. Mm, it will be all right, Justin. Thanks very much for coming on this morning, mate. Really thanks, appreciate Justin. your time. Go well and uh, enjoy your ball this weekend, eh? Hey, cheers, guys. Thank you. Cheers. Uh, Nineteen past uh, seven. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I guess he's put that into some sort of perspective because I mean, and, and I'm not having a crack here, is he? But I mean, there were games. Was it last season? Probably season before as well. I remember it being talked about that the Crusaders needed to improve their discipline because you know they'd conceded like eighteen penalties versus yeah. nine or whatever it was, and that was yeah. certainly a talking point. But they went ugly. Yeah. They they do they they find a way but you did right like they make it difficult for themselves. There's a lot of the things there that they can control and there's a lot of uh, certain things that probably can be justified and probably refereed officiated in a, in a different way. But uh, mate, it's it's the reality of sport and when you have success, people will probably referee officiate you more thoroughly because the opposition leading up to that game will paint a picture to these referees this is what the Crusaders are doing this is how they defend this is where they disrupt like that's coaching 101 go to the referees with clips show them clips of of Crusaders being offside at the ruck you know what they're doing lying all over the ball and the referee will instill that in their mind and, and look for it so 
with the Breakers' success last year, you know, just missing out on, on the championship, nearly going all the way, teams would have seen that, and teams will potentially be painting pictures to these referees, saying this is how the Breakers defended, they were physical, they are up in your face, they get a bit too close, so re- when the referees are hearing that, they'll probably look at it a little bit more. It's like referees in world rugby, they get told to officiate the high ball or, or the, um, you know, certain things in, in an area and that's what the referees will look at constantly. And if you don't adjust and adapt, then you're going to get pinged off the park. So I think it's the same for the breakers. Whatever that area is of concern, they need to look at it and make changes. Otherwise, it's going to continue on. And the Crusaders, they find a way, they are very lucky, but they will adapt and adjust to a referee's needs.